with Luke 17, what I did was just pull together. Um, there are two, uh, there's a parable and a miracle kind of tied together. And I just, since they're both short, I decided to grab them both. Um, Jesus tells a parable, and this is connected with uh, something of their day when he, uh, people were used to uh, slavery and servants and such. And he just makes a comment. He says, if one of you had a servant that was out in the field and he was working all day and he came in, would you tell him to sit down and have a meal or would you tell him to fix my meal and then you can have some as well? And uh, I remember as a kid listening to that and thinking, that doesn't seem fair at all. This just seems wrong. And uh, it, it, it really bothered me. And, and yet there's a recognition that different days, different systems, and yet um, all Jesus is really doing is pulling out an illustration from life of that day. And he says um, he won't necessarily thank the servant uh, just because he did what he was told. But um, he says, when, when we look at things in our relationship to God, essentially he's saying, um, when we've done everything that's been asked of us, uh, we would still say we're undeserving of special praise. We've only done our duty. And there is an awareness that because of the Lord's uh, creative power and because of his sustaining of all life, that when we consider uh, who he is in contrast to who we are as a part of creation, there's an awareness that when he asks us to do things and walk in his ways, um, even when we've done all of that, there's no, it doesn't put us on an equal plane with him. There's still a, a point where we need to recognize his grandeur, his excellency, his awesomeness and say, yeah, this is appropriate. And so even though I didn't like that particular story as a kid, I, I at least understand it now. And there is a recognition that uh, if for no other reason, uh, I should be willing to call out to him and acknowledge that uh, because of who he is, that's enough reason to give thanks. And uh, yet it goes on from there. So um, that was a, just a brief parable that he tells them. And then we have a miracle. It's called the healing of the 10 lepers. And uh, I want to spend a little more time on that. And so uh, Jesus uh, is on the way to Jerusalem. And if you know anything about uh, Samaria and Galilee and such, Israel's kind of split up a bit. And they don't necessarily want to walk through Samaria. There's hard feelings between the two groups. And so he's walking along the border. And uh, it says he, he comes into a, or to a village and there's 10 people with leprosy that meet him. And it says they stood at a distance and cried out, uh, Master, have mercy on us. And I don't know how much you know about leprosy. But um, when I was a kid, we used to have missionaries come into our church that had been a part of a uh, working in a leper colony in Liberia, Africa. And they always had these gruesome pictures. And, uh, and so as kids would love looking at them, you know, <laughs> just the difference of it. And uh, in the Old Testament, 
Um, leprosy is often translated skin diseases. Uh, the newer translation use skin disease, but the older translations use leprosy. And uh, just a little bit about it is that it produces skin ulcers. So there'd be these sores over the body. Uh, it causes nerve damage where people can't feel anything in those areas. And so you have situations where if uh, a person had leprosy, say, on their hands and they were to put it on uh, something super hot, they could end up burning skin and not even know it. So, you know, it, it immediately made life more complicated. And then uh, it would cause uh, this nerve damage. And so they would end up losing eyesight. Uh, there's gruesome things where it, it would, uh, cartilage would get absorbed back into the body. So in some ways, like their nose might start to disappear. You know, some of us might not wish, you know, we could ask for a small dose of that. But uh, it's, it's kind of a, um, it, it's a visual disease. In those days, it was incurable. Uh, it is curable now, but uh, it was an obvious, very, very desperate thing. And it could, it could cause disfigurement. It could cause disability. It uh, was, like I said, in those days, incurable. And so you would, you would have these um, terrible situations, uh, visual reminders of disease in. And so the way that they dealt with it, uh, when they went into, um, when you looked at the laws in the Old Testament, um, the priest was responsible to, to look at people and identify this. And when they saw that uh, this was this leprosy, um, they would they have the person tear their clothes, their hair would be unbound. They would put a mask on, and then they would have to call out, unclean, unclean. And they wouldn't be allowed to live inside the community. Um, they'd be outside the camp. So you can just imagine the horror of this in life. And uh, one of the things I found out when I was reading about this is that it could take 5 to 20 years for leprosy to actually kick in once it was in the body. So it was like they may have had exposure and no no awareness of it growing in them until many years later. So you can just imagine what a horrible disease that this was for them. So um, that makes it all that much more interesting to me when um, Jesus sees a person in Matthew chapter eight, and he calls out and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it says that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. So Here's clean, touching unclean, and making it clean. Here's one of those situations where most people would have pulled away. This man had a responsibility to stay away. And Jesus bridges that gap. And it may have been the first intentional touch that this guy had had for years. And Jesus is, is saying, in a sense, I've come to take care of the unclean. And I've come to reach and bridge the gap that you can't bridge. And it's just a, a beautiful picture of, of his caring. So um, that was one of the stories in Matthew. But um, back to this um, passage in, in Luke, it says one of them 
when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell at his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And it says now he was a Samaritan. So even in this case, there's a there's a, a thing of Jesus reaching out to a people group that normally he wouldn't even have association with. And in, in a sense, we're also seeing a picture of his healing and his saving power bridging the gap that um, would be done later through the New Testament church, but hadn't really been uh, opened up yet. And yet we see these hints of what's coming. And it says, and Jesus said, where are the other 10? And where are the other nine? Excuse me. And he says, uh, was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus is calling out this situation. And and it's kind of uh, one of those things that I, I look at and I'm, and I'm going, they didn't necessarily um, mean to be uh, uncaring or unthankful. But the impression I get is that here's people that, in a sense, were self-absorbed. You know, suddenly they're realizing, I can go back to family. I can get back in community. I, You know, and they're caught up in themselves and the joy of that moment. But they really aren't recognizing that they're walking away from God himself. And I started chewing on that. And I'm going, I, I, in some ways, it's like they... They left to go to the temple and walked away from God. And, you know, now that's not to say that they weren't to go to the temple because Jesus had sent them there, but they didn't realize the magnitude of what they were in in that moment. And then I'm going, okay, I wonder how often we have encounters with the Lord and we don't realize that it's opening up the door. It is not the end the final conclusion in other words it's like we have this encounter with the lord and that may be just the beginning um you know where these guys are walking away from the son of god and they're ecstatic over what's taken place because they're cleansed along the way but they really are missing the opportunity that they have and this man who turns back jesus makes this comment he says um, your faith has made you well. And Jesus is saying, there is more in this instant than just your physical healing. And your, you know, it maybe your faith has cured you, but I think there, there, in a sense, when we look at this and say, yeah, physical healing's great, but that's a temporal victory. And yet, here, Jesus is in some ways saying, you're opening the door for salvation. You're opening the door for wholeness of life. You're opening the door for much more than just this physical moment. And I look at that and I'm going, I wonder how often I have these encounters. And I may not run to the temple, but I could run to the mountain or superior or back to the house or, you know, it, you know, the, the thirst to be with others and, and all of that. And in some ways I'm, I'm looking at it and going, 
this man chose to come back and thank God and, and, he, and he receives more. And uh, it, it just stirs my heart and it just makes me think that, um, you know, thankfulness opens the door to wholeness. Uh, thankful hearts find salvation. Uh, you can, you know, track a number of things in this if you want. But uh, what, a, what a powerful idea. Um, the Old Testament had a number of, of healings and things interacting with leprosy. And, you know, it just, they had this culture that was aware that this was an incredible thing that was taking place. Uh, remember the power struggle between Moses and Miriam and Aaron? Remember how uh, Miriam and Aaron had said, well, anybody can do what you're doing. And, and, you know, they have this thing where they stand before the Lord and suddenly Miriam's all leprous and they're crying out, oh, Lord, please don't make this happen. And, and God removes the leprosy. But it's one of those moments where they realize, oh, this is not good. And, of course, you had the rules given out in Leviticus and um, in Second Samuel um, after um, Joab is slain Abner, the, the other commander, and David calls down a curse on him and says, I hope you have leprosy in your family for the for an ongoing generations. And you just uh, choose them out that way. And in Second Kings, there's a couple instances as well where uh, a Syrian commander, Naaman, has, uh, has leprosy. And, and one of the servant girls who's been captured from Israel says, oh, if you could only go see Elisha, I know that you could be healed. And uh, eventually he does. And he's told to dip in the Jordan River. And he's going, we have better rivers back home than this muddy thing. And he's very angry. But his servants tell him, well, if you'd been asked something noble, you'd have done it. Why don't you humble yourself and try this? And he does it and he's healed completely. And, you know, again, it's it's the power of God reaching out into a community that normally doesn't receive it to a person who's had this horrific experience and, and or circumstance of life. And the power of God is is changing him forever and opening the door to wholeness. And so you have these stories of wonder and just recognition that uh, God can take the most severe, ruinous circumstances in our lives and the things that we look at as being um, the ultimate of agony and despair, and he can overcome those and he can make wholeness out of it. And what a wonder it is just to, to look at that and acknowledge the goodness of God.